0: Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia.
1: Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 46, Psalm 46, and then Luke 10. Pastor Robbie, when you get a chance, sir, will you flip us back from heat to air? I see some of the saints are trying to fly away, and I'd like to keep them here for the duration of the service. This is a hard time of year to get the temperature right. It's cold in the mornings, it's warm in the afternoons, and everything in between. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still, comma, and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. And Then I want you to, I want you to read with me in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Four or five verses, starting in verse 38. Luke 10, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Y'all have never said anything like that to someone, have you? Uh, Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, would you add your, uh, your understanding to the reading and the hearing of your word today? I pray, God, that we not just hear it and, and understand it, but that we have the courage and the faithfulness to actually put it into practice today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we live in a nation of doers, right? It's the American way. We are addicted to activity. If you visit different countries... Uh, you realize that the pace we keep in America is very different than the pace they keep almost everywhere else. Uh, Once you get used to the busyness though, you find ways to keep yourself busy. If we do find ourselves with a spare moment, um, we feel compelled to fill it with something. Is that just me or is that, y'all, it's like we got it with social media, we got to read the news, we got to watch something streaming, we got to read something. The research I found this week says that the average American, this is released in the early 2022, the average American checks their cell phone 345, 344 times a day. That's every four minutes. We know that, I mean, we know, right, that rest and silence, is the cure for stress and anxiety. But we're so used to being wound up that now it's the silence and the rest that causes our anxiety. Why do we act that way? Why why do we do that? Because we've been groomed to believe that if we're not doing something, we're wasting time. That activity equals Progress, and who doesn't want to be progressing, right? We all want to be making progress. So it's into this crazy lifestyle that we all lead, and I'm, think, I'm guessing that you're as crazy as I am. That's my assumption today. Um, it's into that lifestyle that these scriptures speak to us this morning. Be still and know that I'm God. Only one thing is worth being concerned about. And Mary discovered it sitting at the feet of Jesus. It occurred to me this week that with all of the passion and the intensity of the CL168 series that we, just, that we just finished up this past week, uh, that we might get the idea that we have to do more stuff. Okay? That, that the key, that the point I was trying to make was that we need to get busier in order to accomplish more of the work of the kingdom. And so let me say this right off the bat, plainly and clearly, so everybody can hear it, that working and striving and human effort will never get you to where you want to be in your relationship with Christ and will never accomplish for the kingdom what you hope to accomplish. It just won't. We know that the goal of Christianity is for us to be more like Jesus, right, conformed to his image, more of him and less of us, that we need to more and more reflect the character and nature of Jesus uh, on this earth. But we've taken this American mindset that we have and we've overlaid it on the gospel and it just doesn't work. We think if we'll do more stuff like Jesus did, that we will become more like Jesus. And, and like most of our mindsets, and when compared to the kingdom, it's backwards or upside down, whichever you prefer. Listen, you can't do your way into becoming. You become your way into doing. You can't do your way into becoming like Christ. You become your way into doing. Let me say it this way. The works of Christ flowed from the nature of Christ. He did what he did because of who he was. Right. If we're going to reach our goal of reflecting the character and nature of Jesus, we're not going to work our way there. We have to become. And becoming happens when you're quiet and still at the feet of Jesus. So you can do Jesus-looking things and still not have a relationship with With Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus said? Isn't that what he said would happen? That people would call him Lord their entire lives and do all kinds of spiritual things, but that he would have to dismiss them from his presence eternally because he said, I don't know who you are. I don't have a relationship with you. See, this idea is hard for us Americans to wrap our heads around. And, and quite honestly, it scares pastors to death. Because it sounds like we're saying that what you do doesn't matter. And you could take it that way and you can run to the other ditch on the other side of the road. It sounds like we're preaching this cheap grace, touchy-feely, squishy version of Christianity where that you can do whatever you want to do as long as it seems like you're really into worship. That's not what we're talking about here. As a matter of fact, that version doesn't even exist in reality. There is no version of authentic Christianity that is not this marriage between faith and works. However, it's your faith that leads to the works. That's what the the book of James says. But works don't lead to faith. You all okay? thought I smelled smoke. I don't want to be blowing anybody's minds. Everybody all right? There's a difference in doing and becoming. And I think here's the essence. If you become who you're supposed to become, you'll do what you're supposed to do. If you'll become who you're supposed to become, you will do what you're supposed to do. But all you're doing won't necessarily lead you to becoming who you're supposed to be. So you can't can't do it backwards. You can't work your way into a better relationship with Jesus. You get quiet. You get still at his feet. You let him do a deep work on the inside of you, and then you won't be able to stop the kingdom work that comes out of you as a result. See, 168-hour-a-week, kingdom-focused lifestyle is not the result of more activity. It's the result of more time spent at his feet. It's quiet moments. Quiet moments. Here's how a friend of mine says it. Uh, Ministry flows from intimacy. Ministry flows from intimacy. Getting close to God is what he wants from us. It doesn't he say, come unto me, come to me. Intimacy develops from coming to him, and then ministry naturally flows from that intimacy. But everything starts in the quiet moments, in the quiet moments. Now, I want to I show you some of you are mathematical or data-driven. I want to show you some charts today. So here's chart one. This this is uh, what I thought my spiritual growth was going to look like when I started my journey with the Lord. Isn't that right? It's smooth, it's slow, it's steady. Now, this is what I was willing to admit could happen. To, let me see the next chart, please. is what I thought could happen. Just because life isn't always perfect, it's a little dicey in spots, you see, but I'm still moving up and to the right. Everything's okay, right? That's, that's how I thought things were going to be. A pretty consistent progress. I brought the actual chart of what my spiritual growth has looked like. <laughs> right? Y'all have seen one of those before, huh? You say, John, you're 52 years old. You've been in ministry for 30 years. What advice do you have about following Jesus and growing spiritually? Just buckle up. That's, that's what I'd say. Just buckle up. It's going to be a ride. Nobody tells you. Right? No, Did anybody tell y'all the truth when you got saved? It's going to be a ride, y'all. It's going to be the ride of your life. It's going to be a hot mess sometimes. But seriously, knowing what I know about, about you as a congregation, knowing... Especially the tendency of a church to take on the personality of the pastor, for which I am very sorry. Um, here's what I really want to say to you today: Stop trying so hard. Stop trying so hard. No, that's not a license for you to run out, cast off restraint and just live however you want to. You know what I'm saying. Stop trying so hard. You're driving yourself crazy to please Jesus, and he's already pleased. He died for you. He loves you. Stop it. I don't question your sincerity to be like Jesus, and that's the right goal. I don't question your desire to please him and to serve in his kingdom because we should. I'm simply saying that too many of us are living at an unsustainable pace with unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And we take the same approach to our spiritual lives and we're dying. We think that pleasing God is always about doing more, accomplishing more, working harder, being better, going faster, producing more and more and more. Martha was slaving away in the kitchen because she honestly wanted Jesus in her life. It was her house. She's the one that invited him into her house. And in her mind, she was doing all she was doing for him. But the reality was, Jesus was sitting in her house already, and he wasn't there to eat. Her work wasn't bringing her to Jesus. It was keeping her from Jesus. And it was making her bitter at those who weren't working as hard as she was. Namely, her sister Mary. You say, but John, you've been beating this into us for weeks. For the record, I have not been beating you. But maybe it felt like that. That God has something for all of us to do, right? There's Ephesians 5. I've been reading this over and over and over. God has something for all of us to do, and we have to get busy doing it. Yes, but how do you know what that is? And how do you know if you're ready for it if you haven't spent time at his You say, but John, we're supposed to bear fruit. Jesus said we have to bear fruit. Yes, but the seed has to be planted and tended to over time. If you'll sit at his feet, he'll bring forth a harvest that'll bear way more fruit than you'll ever be able to produce on your own with all of your doing. You have to be still. You have to know that he's God. You have to sit at his feet and let him teach you and mold you, and shape you, and form himself in you. Let him do the inside work first. Listen, I know this is different this morning. I don't think I got three points. I think, I hope I only just got one point. I hope I have a point. But if we just go running into the harvest without doing the deep work, the inside work first, we're going to burn out, and we're going to be no good for the harvest long term. Because the, commi- the Great Commission is our lifetime work. It is our life's work. And if we expect to be involved in the harvest for the rest of our lives, then we're going to have to pace ourselves and set ourselves up for a lifetime of working in the harvest. And that's what we need. That's what we need. So let's stop and get at his feet. Let's be still and know that He's God. Because here, here are a few things that you need to know that activity does not equal achievement, that busyness does not equal business, that movement does not equal progress. Just because you're busy doing stuff doesn't mean you're doing anything of value. You're just wearing yourself out. We have to get still. And we have to get quiet. In both the quiet moments and the quiet seasons. The quiet moments and the quiet seasons. Now a quiet moment might be setting aside your your. Daily prayer time or your daily prayer list, excuse me, not your prayer time, your, your daily prayer list, your list of things you need God to accomplish for you that day. It might be setting aside the devotional that you're following where you got to read four and a half chapters a day, right? A quiet moment might be just sitting down or kneeling down or however you do it and pushing all that aside and just listening, Amen. just, just listening. A quiet moment might mean not singing every word of every song in the worship service in order to just breathe in his presence. You know, God's not dishonored by that. Now, if you're just not singing because you just, you're just being rebellious, that's a whole other thing. If, if you're just trying to quiet your mind and your spirit to hear what it is the Lord's saying to you, that's why we're doing it in the first place. That's like the whole point. We need more of those be still and get quiet moments. Those are what keeps us from getting weary in well-doing. They're the green pastures and the still waters that the good shepherd uses to restore our souls. But there will also be quiet seasons where you can't see a whole lot going on from the outside. Other people seem to be producing fruit, and man, it's just popping, and they're getting it done for the kingdom, and everything's great. But you seem to be at a standstill. Quiet seasons are where the deep work gets done. They're the only way to become who God wants you to become. I heard about one old preacher that when, when the young folks would come to him and tell him that they're called to preach, uh, first thing he'd tell them is, run. Just just run, Uh, because it it just run away from the call, because if you can run away from it, you weren't called. And then after they decide that they are positive, they are sure that they are called, they they expected that he would ask them to preach, but instead he would ask them to clean the church. He'd tell them to clean the church. Your job from now on (laughs) is to make sure this church is clean. See, they expected to be asked to preach, but he asked them to clean. They expected a microphone, and they got a broom. They expected to stand at a pulpit. He made them kneel at a toilet instead. They were ready to charge hell with a water pistol, right? He made them go through a quiet season. Because he's a wise old pastor say, John, I I don't understand. Why in the world would this man hold these young preachers back? Why wouldn't he let them do what God called them to do? Listen, he's not holding them back. He's getting them ready. He's getting them ready. Quiet moments will sustain you, but it's the quiet seasons that prepare you. Quiet moments will sustain you, but it's the quiet seasons that prepare you. Here, here's what I know. I think some of y'all will agree. You don't want a preacher who had not spent some time cleaning some toilets and sweeping some floors. Because I've, I've heard some of them and believe me, you can tell the difference. You don't want to follow a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. You don't want to follow a leader who doesn't have some scars. You don't want to follow a leader who doesn't, from time to time, get this distant look in their eye and a little tear well up in their eye as they think back on the quiet seasons of their lives, the testing seasons, the hard seasons, because that's where leadership is made. That's where destiny is determined. That's where greatness is forged. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? You want to be fruitful? You want to be part of a 168 hour a week church? It happens in the quiet seasons and the quiet moments. It's not through the constant busyness. If you want to know that he's God, you got to be still. Stop what you're doing sometimes and sit down at his feet. Hey John, you got some scripture to back this up? I'm good, a bunch, a bunch. I had two cups of coffee and a honey bun this morning. I'll I'll preach the whole Bible. Y'all don't mess with me this morning. Book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. Y'all ready? Um, We are starting in the book of Genesis, actually. Joseph in the book of Genesis. That's probably somewhere around 39. Joseph would eventually become the prime minister of the Egyptian empire, second only to Pharaoh himself. He would save the little fledgling nation of Israel and tens of hundreds of thousands of other people from a great famine that lasted for seven years. But that was only after 13 years as a slave and a prisoner, neither of which he actually deserved. Nobody had ever heard of him. Even the people he had helped, even the people he had gotten to know in prison forgot about him until his quiet season was over and it was time for him to move forward. The Apostle Paul didn't go from persecutor of the church to the pulpit. Galatians says he spent years of preparation in the Arabian desert. God was transforming his mind, maybe up to, again, like Joseph, 13 years. It was a long, quiet season. But look at the fruit of Paul's life. When it was time for him to launch out into doing what it was God had called him to do, it was unbelievable what poured out of his life that would not have happened without the season of preparation. King David didn't go from being anointed king as a little boy to killing Goliath to military superstar to king of Israel. He had two huge quiet seasons. One as a shepherd when he was younger and one running for his life from King Saul. One was a season of underestimation where people would look at him and say, you ain't never going to amount to nothing. The other was a season of humiliation as he was being punished for something he didn't even do. But it was those seasons who made him who he would become. And the Psalms that we read and are encouraged by are largely the result of those quiet seasons. John the Baptist didn't become the forerunner of Jesus simply because he was his cousin. He was, what they say about him, he was a voice crying in the wilderness. Wilderness is an isolated, lonely, quiet place. Jesus didn't start on the platform either. He didn't start working miracles. You you see him in the book of Luke at 13 years old, sitting at the temple talking with the teachers and asking questions. Wasn't causing a fuss, wasn't raising a ruckus. He's just sitting there learning. 20 years later, anybody could have told you where Jesus was in Jerusalem at any given time because there was going to be a crowd of people and a whole lot of excitement. But in that moment, it took Mary and Joseph days to find him. Why? Because it was a quiet season in Jesus' life. What was happening with Jesus was happening on the inside And it lasted for a long time. But do you remember what God said to Jesus at his baptism? His his water baptism with John the Baptist? Remember he's in the Jordan River. Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Father speaks from heaven. And what does he say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You realize up to that moment Jesus hadn't healed a single person? Hadn't worked a single miracle, hadn't preached a single message, hadn't done anything in what we would call ministry. What in the world was the Father pleased with? It wasn't His doing. It was His becoming. He had done the work. He had put in the time, in the quiet seasons, and He had become who he needed to become in those 30 years, and now he would have the most productive three years of ministry that the world had ever seen or ever will because of who he was. And he had many, many more quiet moments even in the midst of his public ministry. It's a lesson for all of us. You see, from the outside looking in, none of these guys that we just talked about appeared to really be accomplishing much for the kingdom of God but don't underestimate the power of a quiet season 1st Corinthians says I think it's about chapter 3 says that you are God's field I read it just a couple weeks ago you're God's field a whole bunch of people have sown seed into you into your life right seeds of the word of God Seeds of the fruit of the Spirit, there have been seeds of kindness and and seeds of love and seeds of patience, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of good stuff have been planted in you as a field. And I know that you're eager to see the fruit, the results of all of that. But the field has to be worked. Why? Because there are some other seeds that have been sown into you too. Seeds that you didn't ask for. Abuse. Church hurt. False teaching, negative thinking, bad attitudes, all kinds of stuff. Give him some time to get those things out of there. I'm not suggesting you have to be perfect to start working for the kingdom of God because, good Lord, none of us would ever get to do anything. Just give him some time to get the weeds on the run and give the good seed time to get well-established and strong. And then in due season, the fruit starts to grow. The quiet season's over, the active season starts, and then you see the benefit. Everything you're going to need to sustain you through the public moments and the fruitful seasons, you learn in the quiet moments and the quiet seasons. John, how long is that going to (laughs) take? Well, I don't know. It is a function of the distance between where you start and where he wants to take you. <laughs> and it's affected by the, how stubborn you are on the journey. Amen. Amen. Not enough of y'all said amen, but I'm not going to get offended by that. You really do have to cooperate <laughs> with what he's trying to do. Because let's be honest, nobody likes the quiet season. But it's necessary. I've seen it over and over and over again in my life. Sometimes it's a week or two of sitting and and being still and quiet before the Lord. Sometimes it's months or years. The depth of the preparation depends on the size of the work he's got for you. The more you want to do for the kingdom, the more time you had better plan to spend at his feet. Is this making any sense to anybody? Yes. I, I didn't know whether I wanted to share this or not, but I, I feel like I should. Um, I say that I've been in ministry for 30 years, and, and I have. And I, next, I think next week is actually the anniversary of that. Um, the first 20 of those years, I served on somebody else's staff. I've only been the lead pastor for, for 10 years. I know a lot of you... Were here and you remember that transition, but for 20 years I served three other pastors and I did my best to serve them faithfully and to do what they asked me to do, stand behind them. I was the man behind the man, did all the stuff that they didn't want to do or couldn't get to or, or whatever. 20 years. You say, Well, John, you don't talk to me about quiet season, you get to be on that platform every week. <laughs> 20 years. And it's not that I was longing for the platform. I was just trying to do what God had called me to do in those moments. As a matter of fact, for most of those 20 years, I never wanted to be on the platform. Didn't know if that's what God had for me. And it was actually after I had finally settled that, yes, maybe that's in my future. But for right now, I'm just going to be faithful to do what God's called me to do in this season. It was just a few months after that, that here opens this opportunity. And it was clear that it was time for me to walk into it. But you, at some point, just have to get settled. You can't struggle your way out of a quiet season. You can't hurry your way out of it. At some point, you just have to get accustomed to doing whatever it is God's called you to do in that moment and just get okay with it. I was, I was for most of that 20 years, I, I was involved in some form of music leading worship. And I'd gotten to the point that, Valerie and I, we had talked about this. I was like, I've done everything I want to do. I got nothing else to prove. I don't need any, anything else. I just want to lead, work, lead people into the presence of God, and, and, and I don't care. And if I can raise up some people behind me, if I can teach them some things, then that's fine. But I don't, I don't need anything else. But it's where God had me. So I started raising up other people to lead worship and to develop songs and to work with the, with the team and the band and the vocals and all of that. And I was just trying to be faithful. And it was right after that that God said, okay, now is the time for you to go and lead the church. I just want to encourage you. I don't know how long your quiet season is going to last. And it's not like you don't get to be involved in ministry until that quiet season's over. It's just that sometimes it feels like you're exactly where God wants you to do, and sometimes you feel like a, a, you're on the island of misfit toys. Right? Everything eventually comes back to Rudolph. I don't know if you know that. Just learn to be faithful. These are three words that came to me this week in these quiet seasons. Just learn to be faithful and flexible and fearless and just sit at his feet and let him do what he wants to do in you just be still sit at his feet learn from him because that's how you know that that he is God y'all stand with me Every once in a while, I do ask God to give me something encouraging to tell you. I know I, I just, I feel like I come up here and just slug you every week. And sometimes I do ask God to give me something encouraging. Lord, I hope that was encouraging. That's about like the best, that's the most encouraging as I get. Okay, so get it now. Um, if, you're, if you're struggling, if you're, if you're just, if you're tired, if you say, John, it feels like I've been in a quiet season for, for years. I understand that. And I want to encourage you today that you're right where God wants you to be. It's okay. He sees you. He knows where you are. He ain't mad at you. To the contrary, he's pouring into you and building into you and preparing you for whatever it is he has ahead of you. So I just want you to be encouraged today. And if you want to come and pray and just, and just ask the Lord to give you strength to endure the quiet season, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're gonna need all of that strength when it's the active season, when it's the growing season, you're gonna be running hundred miles an hour. You're gonna need all that strength you can get. So we're gonna, the team's gonna sing. Uh, I'm gonna pray, and then this altar's gonna be gonna be open, and you can come and pray about anything, y'all. So if you got you got something going on in your life, a decision to make, and you need to come pray about it, you got something going on in your body, in a relationship, whatever it is, you come and pray. But if you want to come and just spend some time in His presence, maybe just come sit at His feet and breathe get encouraged and strengthened today you do that and we'll be dismissed together in just a minute Father I thank you for your word I thank you that you love us and you accept us just the way we are God I thank you there is not a thing in the world we can do that's going to make you love us any more than you already do it's just it's impossible for you to love us more or to love us less and Lord I just pray that you help us to rest in that God, I pray that you draw people to this altar who who you want to minister to. Draw them here, Lord, and I know that when you draw them that you'll meet them in this altar and meet every need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.